You've made a serious investment in protecting yourself and your family. You've purchased the gun, the ammunition, the training, and even secured a license to carry in your state. You know the Constitution and don't believe you should have to pay for a right that you already have, as written in the Second Amendment, but you are law-abiding. Now you are considering the legal defense options you should have if you ever have to use a firearm. Self-Defense Fund is a comprehensive litigation membership backing you on appeals, legal expenses, court costs, and more, up to $1 million per incident and unlimited attorney costs per member. Discover SelfDefenseFund.com for yourself. Any weapon, any state, any time. Now's your chance to get the last of the Resolution Radio Blood Teams. Only a few left available before we try to do a reorder. This has been a high-selling item, and we really appreciate everyone's support in getting this shirt and showing their pride as well as showing their heritage. Nothing counts more than blood. Get yours today from Resolution Radio. Only $25 plus $5 shipping and handling. It really helps the network improve, and you really get a great product to showcase what you truly believe in. Nothing counts more than blood. Only from Resolution Radio at ResolutionRDO.com. Send check, money order, or well-concealed cash to Sonny Thomas at P.O. Box 27, Springboro, Ohio, 45066. That's Sonny Thomas at P.O. Box 27, Springboro, Ohio, 45066. In the early 1900s, certain companies were off-gassing highly toxic fluoride gases into the atmosphere. The surrounding communities began to get sick. Laws were enacted to compel these corporations to install scrubbers to convert these gases into fluorosilicic acid, still highly toxic but containable. Now these companies had a stockpile of this poison, and there was no affordable way to dispose of it. Lucky for them, one of their major stockholders was also the Secretary of the Treasury, who was responsible for the public health service at the time. And by 1950, the U.S. government began buying this toxic, untreated industrial waste product and dumping it into our drinking water. Reputable studies show that it's causing various cancers and other disease. With the Alexa Pure Pro, you can have clean drinking water and a remedy to this madness. Available now at InfoWarsStore.com. This is James Edwards, your host of The Political Cesspool. Folks, I want you to subscribe to the American Free Press, America's last real newspaper. Against all odds, AFP has and continues to publish a populist, independent print newspaper with an unparalleled track record. Founded by a dedicated group of experienced patriots, AFP pulls no punches and tackles the most controversial and pressing issues facing America from an America First perspective. I've worked with the American Free Press since even before the beginning of TPC. Now that's something. You can subscribe to the print edition by visiting AmericanFreePress.net today or simply pick up a handy digital edition subscription. However you do it, subscribe to the American Free Press, America's last real newspaper, by visiting AmericanFreePress.net or by calling 1-88-699-NEWS, AmericanFreePress.net. Are you prepared to bug out? Infidel Body Armor and an Army Ranger have produced a high-speed DVD and book to show you how to drive in combat, patrol, and how to survive in combat. Skills you'll need when it hits the fan. Go to DrivenDVD.com. DrivenDVD.com. KD Armor raised the standard. Finally, AR-500 steel core body armor that comfortably conforms to the chest and torso. Unique design distributes weight, feeling lighter, increases mobility, and lessens fatigue. Introducing the Combat Quad Bend CQB, a revolutionary plate-forming process that caters to the end user. The CQB is an industry game-changer, a must-have for the ladies. Available now only at KDArmor.com, C-A-T-I-Armor.com. Come and take it. Rampant hacking, identity theft, mass surveillance. Defending yourself today is not an option. It's a requirement. Introducing the Conceal Shield Travel Pack from DefenderShield.com. Conceal Shield is cutting-edge wireless blocking technology that eliminates all signals, including EMF, GPS, and RFID. Place cell phones, credit cards, IDs, and other trackable items into the Conceal Shield, and they become totally invisible. Get Conceal Shield now at DefenderShield.com. Use promo code CONCEAL for 10% off. Guard your privacy, secure your data, and protect your health with Conceal Shield. 
Find your inner rebel at Dixie Republic, the world's largest Confederate store, located in Traveler's Rest, South Carolina. The anti-white, anti-Christ, anti-Southern world ends at the asphalt. Welcome to God's country. Log on to DixieRepublic.com to view our Southern merchandise, from flags to t-shirts to artwork. At the store, browse through our extensive collection of belt buckles and have a custom-made leather belt handcrafted in our Johnny Rebs gun and leather shop. That's DixieRepublic.com, where you can meet all of your Southern needs. While you're waiting, drop by our Confederate corner for a free cup of coffee and good conversation. Remember, there are no strangers here, just friends who haven't met yet. Dixie Republic, we're not just a roadside attraction, we're a destination for our people. For more information, visit DixieRepublic.com. You're listening to Resolution Radio. 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 ResolutionRDO.com. From the great state of Ohio, Buckeye Firearms Association presents Keep and Bear Radio, fighting for Second Amendment rights, calling out media lies, and telling the gun grabbers to come and take it. Now, Keep and Bear Radio. The Supreme Court of Hawaii says the spirit of aloha overrules your Second Amendment rights. Plus, there are three cases before the U.S. Supreme Court that should be decided this year, including one involving gun ownership by those with restraining orders, one on bump stocks, and one on the free speech rights of the gun industry. That's what we're going to talk about on this episode of Keep and Bear Radio. I'm Dean Reek. Executive Director of Buckeye Firearms Association, and I'm joined by Sean Maloney, firearms attorney and co-founder of Second Call Defense. Hi, Sean. Welcome to the podcast. Dean, thanks for having me here again. Appreciate it. Well, Sean, what have you been up to recently? Any trips, hunting, new violations of law in your car? Have you been speeding anymore or what's going on? You know, actually, I've been a very good boy when it comes to my my traffic violations. Maybe it's because I'm not driving that much. I have I haven't really been uh, taking any long long trips uh, for the past few months, but uh, I just had a lot of work to do around the office, and of course, uh, try to hunker down uh, with what's going on in the United States. So, if you can stay in the office, you can stay out of trouble. That's what you're saying. Well, that you know, that's exactly right. I never thought about it that way, but I guess that's the key. <laughs> Just stay in your office, stay out of your car, and you're good. Dean, you're a very wise man. Has anybody ever that? Uh, no one ever. Well, now you got it. Sean, as our resident legal expert, I wanted to ask you about some cases, including some cases that may be decided by the U.S. Supreme Court. But the first case I want to talk about is this case that came out of Hawaii and has been in the news recently. It's kind of kind of shocking, uh, you know, what they said in their ruling. Basically, they're saying that there's no Second Amendment right in Hawaii. And this involved a guy by the name of Christopher Wilson. He apparently had an unregistered 22 pistol, and he was charged with carrying a firearm and with having ammunition in public. So this case went through the legal process. Eventually, a circuit court found for Wilson, dismissed the charges, but the case was appealed. It went all the way to the Hawaiian Supreme Court. They overruled it, sent it back to the circuit court. Basically, they found that Hawaii does not recognize a natural right to self-defense. They said, essentially, that they don't recognize any of the foundational Second Amendment cases, Heller, McDonald, Bruin, and they just declared that there is no constitutional right to carry a firearm in public. In fact, they used the phrase, the spirit of aloha, and they believe that the spirit of aloha trumps whatever it is the U.S. Supreme Court found. So, Sean, what do you think about this case? This is rather stunning, don't you think? Well, it's stunning and it's troublesome. And I like to think that that uh, 
that freedom trumps what the Supreme Court's doing. You know, essentially, Hawaii has almost the exact same, I think it is the, the same Second Amendment uh, to their Constitution in Hawaii that we have to the United States Constitution. Yet they decided to interpret completely oppositely and decided, you know what, you don't have a, a right to, to keep and bear arms and protect yourself. And what's even more troublesome in, in there is that uh, New York State Rifle and Pistol versus Bruin was almost on fours with the same exact case that was filed at the same time coming out of Ohio, out, out of Hawaii. They essentially stated that um, uh, that you know what you have to be a special person to have a concealed carry permit. To my knowledge, they really didn't issue any, uh, and so Bruin was on all fours. And of course, we know the way Bruin was uh, was decided. But the real troubling part, Dean, as you stated, is that now you have the state of Hawaii refusing to follow the law of the land. Uh, Hawaii courts decided to interpret the, the, their mirror image of the 2A differently than the United States Supreme Court. Uh, you know, remember the principles and guiding force of, of, of the United States is governed by laws. If we don't have laws, we really don't have anything. The, and the ultimate interpreter of laws, second only to God, is, a, is, is the Supreme Court of the United States. So then I started looking, well, wait a minute, what's going to happen when these states refuse to follow the Supreme, the Supreme Court? Well, you know, we, we think about New York State, they don't, they're not following Bruin. Massachusetts isn't even following Heller and never did. And so what, what choice does the Supreme Court have and, and how do you enforce this? So I did some research and I found out, you know, one of the things they can do is employ legal challenges uh, by ignoring a Supreme Court decision. It obviously can result in legal challenges and lawsuits filed against the state. You know, again, but that's another lawsuit and say that they lose and they're going to ignore that also. Uh, but individuals or organizations that are affected by the state's noncompliance, they can also seek legal remedies and, and sue essentially this, the state. Uh, again, uh, are they going to follow that decision? This United States Supreme Court can hold the state Supreme Court in contempt of court for knowingly and willfully disregarding a, a Supreme Court ruling uh, if they're held in contempt of court. Uh, certainly, if I'm held in contempt of court, I can be thrown in jail for a while. So I guess uh, possibly. Or, or most probably, the Supreme Court could uh, could do the same thing. But again, enforcing that and other penalties imposed by the federal judiciary can be troublesome. And then there's also federal intervention that can take place. You know, the federal government holds a lot of strings that they can be pulling through the Department of Justice or other agencies. They can intervene to enforce compliance with the Supreme Court decision. Uh, that can involve federal lawsuits or enforcement actions against a noncompliant state. Of course, the big one is loss of federal funding. If you're not going to follow the precedent set by the United States Supreme Court, your federal money is going away. And there's quite a few states out there that can that can never survive without that money. And, you know, I like to think that there would be some kind of uh, political fallout from ignoring uh, SCOTUS decision that can lead to uh, political backlash somewhere. And then, you know, and something that um, that affects us as a people is uh, the erosion of the rule of law. We know we're a country of laws. That's the, Our foundation was built upon that. And the noncompliance with the Supreme Court decision totally undermines the rule of law. And, and, and I think you've seen uh, what lack of enforcement throughout these blue states or sanctuary cities has done to America. Uh, the, the rise in crime, carjackings, uh, shoplifting, and, and whatnot is, is a direct result of the, re, the rule of law being ignored by these states. And overall, why the states have the authority to challenge and disagree with SCOTUS uh, through other legal means, the outright defiance of the court's rulings uh, have, as we can see, serious political uh, and real impact on crime in these cities. And all of a sudden, if we lose the ability to be a, a land of laws, we're pretty much a third rule country, in my view. So I assume that this case is going to go to the U.S. Supreme Court. Right, they're going to appeal it all the way up, and then they're going to have to to make the decision, and and we'll see what happens. You know, you're right, and I think based on uh, the recent decisions, it's probably going to be a nine zero decision. I can't imagine that anybody on that Supreme Court would say, you know what, that's all right, you don't have to follow our rulings. I, I'd have to say that's a nine zero decision. But again, the key part is going to be, all right, how are you going to enforce that decision? Well, you know, if it's a democratic administration, that's not going to happen, right? Because no, I agree with you. It will not happen. What's, what's next enforcement? The Department of Justice has got to try to do something. But I would think uh, that if you took away their federal, federal funding, they wouldn't have much of, a, much of a state left anymore because we're so dependent upon federal money. 
So this is one of those situations where the administration matters, right? I mean, if Biden gets in there again, certainly that administration is not going to do anything about this. They're, they're going to allow them to continue to ignore the U.S. Supreme Court. Well, in my view, the very foundation of this country hangs in the balance because when you have independent states acting independently, deciding that the rule of law no, no longer matters, we can say uh, what we want to say and we can follow the law as we see fit. Uh, I mean, that, that's, that's out on anarchy, and I, I don't know where we go as a country from there. So this is a very important case, and we need to take a look at this on a continuing basis so uh, you know, we can do whatever we as Buckeye Farms Association and, and every other pro-gun group can do to make sure that th th these laws are enforced because more and more uh, they attack the Second Amendment more than any other amendment that's out there, whether it's through their banking, whether it's through uh, concealed carry laws or lack thereof or special treatment uh, or on and out uh, anti-gun attacks and seizures. So, Sean, there are some cases that have already gone to the Supreme Court, and there are three in particular that I'd like to discuss. One of them has to do with gun ownerships by those with restraining orders. One is on bump stocks, and there's one on freedom of speech for the gun industry. Now, th this first one on restraining orders, it's called United States versus Rahimi. That's, is that the correct way to say that, Rahimi? Yeah, that's correct. So United States versus Rahimi, they've heard the oral arguments, and there is an opinion pending, so they could decide that at any time. This was about a guy in Texas who was a suspect in several shootings. He also was under protective order for alleged assault on his girlfriend. So police found guns in his home. He was indicted for violating federal law. However, a circuit court vacated the convictions and basically declared the ban unconstitutional. But then the DOJ appealed to the U.S. Supreme Court. So the question here is, you know, there's this federal law prohibiting gun possession by those with domestic violence restraining orders. Does that violate the Second Amendment? So, Sean, is there any chance that the Supreme Court is going to strike this down? Well, I've been following this case very closely. I represent a client that is serving time in federal prison uh, for firearms violations that, according to Bruin, or under Bruin, uh, to be clear, uh, states that if it's not part of the history and purpose of the Second Amendment, basically, if it wasn't the law in 1791 when it was adopted, it's not the law now. And certainly, uh, domestic violence, for example, didn't really become a, a criminal element until early in the 80s. In fact, it was always considered to be a, a, a family matter. And, uh, of course, with the Lautenberg Amendment and what they did with any minor misdemeanor conviction of domestic violence and a total loss of gun rights forever, uh, that doesn't necessarily follow the history and practice of the Second Amendment. So that's why the courts have, have held on Rahimi's side saying, wait a minute, if we follow what Thomas said, Thomas's uh, decision in New York State Rifle and Pistol versus Bruin, Rahimi shouldn't lose his Second Amendment rights. Uh, and so there's a pretty big thing. I've been watching all the cases dealing with Bruin because essentially most of the 1968 Gun Rights Act won't exist anymore. And, I, and I've said over and over again, uh, there's people's heads are going to explode when a lot of these Bruin decisions come down if they follow the Supreme Court like they did in this case. So, I mean, no one really wants violent criminals to have access to firearms, but isn't there a due process element here? I'm not really familiar with the case. Maybe you can explain this. But this was all about the restraining order. And I don't know if he was convicted of anything, was he? No, and that was the key. He wasn't convicted of anything yet. Uh, he was under a restraining order for domestic violence. And mostly when a domestic violence restraining order or any personal protection order is issued, the first the first bite at the apple is it's the person who's filing for the order alone. So Mr. Hemi probably wasn't even present in court when they issued the restraining order against him. Uh, his girlfriend went in, said this is what he did, and, and uh, unilaterally they'll grant the restraining order. and then. Rahimi will have a chance to come in at a later time and argue his case. But if you look at Bruin and the fact that this has to follow the history and, and uh, the history of, of the Second Amendment, again, going back to, well, domestic violence, uh, especially when you're looking at a minor misdemeanor domestic violence, yelling at your wife, yelling at your kids, or, or something like that that doesn't even involve 
violence, maybe the threat of violence from someone raising their voice, uh, you, the lifetime ban on, on firearms. Well, that, that doesn't follow the history and, and precedent and practice set forth by the Second Amendment. And that's what Rahimi was, was being ruled on. And the due process was part of it because, again, he had, um, he had no, no, no opportunity to be heard and, and, uh, uh, and expound his part of the story. Uh, it was just done based on what his girlfriend said. And certainly that's not a conviction. That's not a decision made. And that's certainly that's not due process. You know, this sounds a lot like red flag laws where basically someone has an accusation, guns are taken away from somebody, and then after the fact, there's some legal process to figure out if they did the right thing. Well, you're exactly right, because that's what a red flag law is. There's no due process. One person says you shouldn't have guns, at least for now, and they go into your house and they take them. Just like in this case, uh, uh, the federal government in Lautenberg and federal statute says, you know what, you have a minor misdemeanor uh, or, or a a, a uh, restraining order against you for domestic violence. And uh, even though you haven't had a chance to be heard, you can't have guns. And I think that's what the state uh, uh, or, or the federal government really started to focus on. Wait a minute. Even though there's brewing out there, but do we even really have due process in this case? And, and the answer is no. So I'm going to just ask again, do you think the U.S. Supreme Court would strike down this federal law? I think they have to, based on the precedent set by uh, Bruin, based based on Thomas's uh, decision of, of the history and practice of the Second Amendment, I think they have no choice. And like I said, I think the majority, the vast majority of the 1968 Gun Rights Act and acts that that were passed earlier than that are are basically going to be uh, uh, going to be decimated and, and found all to be uh, unconstitutional. Okay, well, I guess we'll find that out pretty soon. So there's another case on bump stocks. This one is called Garland versus Cargill. And the oral arguments are actually scheduled for just a few days from now, Sean, when we're recording this, February 28th. That's coming up pretty quick. This is all around that Las Vegas mass killing. I'm sure everybody remembers that. This was a guy who had apparently several rifles fitted with bump stocks. And I don't know if we ever found out whether he used all of those rifles or or whether he just had them. The, uh, you know, they didn't release a lot of the information out of that uh, case. But it's not. this case is really not so much about the Second Amendment, as I understand it. It's really about the ATF and whether they acted outside their authority because they basically just came out with a ruling and said, well, you know what, these bump stocks are actually machine guns. And this case might affect other devices like this, you know, like the Glock switches, pistol braces, ghost guns, things like that. So what's your prediction? What's what's going on with this case? Well, and I, I've been waiting for this to come from a long time. This is based on or a theory called the Chevron deference. Uh, Chevron, of course, oil company, uh, was involved in, in some activity that the EPA decided uh, that they were going to ban and you can't do that. Well, the EPA was nearly creating laws and we know that Congress is who creates laws. So this case went up to, the Chevron case went to the United States Supreme Court and they said, well, you know, uh, they're not exactly passing laws. They're doing something so close uh, to the normal means of what they do on a daily basis then they can make these slight changes and they can make these interpretations because it's so close to what they do on a normal basis. They're really not making a law. Well, there's a lot of cases that have happened, bump stock uh, for one, where when you create a brand new definition that Congress created for what a machine gun is and redefined it, it goes beyond something that they do on a normal day-to-day business. They got caught doing the same thing with an arm brace. uh, And I think this is going to follow basically the arm brace decision. I mean, that's their uh, the stereodecisis is almost going to demand that they do that because you know what? It's the same thing. The ATF that does not have the authority, in my view, and certainly a lot using the Chevron deference in other cases to say, you know what? Uh, bump stocks or machine guns, we made that decision. Uh, turn them all in. And I always like to kind of chuckle and think, I think I got more bump stocks turned into me as an attorney than uh, the ETF got turned in in this area. But in my prediction there is that, uh, uh, Bump stocks should go the way that the arm brace did. The only major problem here is, Dean, didn't everybody allegedly have to destroy those? So how do you get your money back? Because now you had an unlawful taking, in my view, when when the ATF 
what was uh was given the authority or took the authority to ban bump stocks and uh and say turn them all in so those are there and there was quite a few cases filed along those i think garland was probably the first one to make it but uh this is another important case where does the authority of congress end and where does the authority of of these agencies like the epa or the atf the tsa when do, does their authority begin and how much can they exercise on their own this is the case that i kind of assume that they're going to shoot this down they're going to say the atf did exceed its authority it seems pretty clear to me because i i don't think that any of us want an agency like the atf just coming up with their own laws if they can do it then other uh organizations can do that as well right and then what's the point of even having congress when unelected officials can just come up with law clearly congressionally and and based on uh statute and the constitution they don't have the right to make laws that's reserved for congress and and that's exactly what they did because it was congress that came up with the definition of what a what a machine gun was and it was congress that came up with that part of of 18 usc dealing with firearms and the atf just can't take it upon themselves to uh to basically uh, do their bidding and ban something that congress says is illegal and granted it was very it was a very very emotional time you think about it, how how quietly that incident just went into the sunset. We never heard about it. We didn't know anything about this guy, really. We had no idea what happened. It just went away. And then all of a sudden, we ended up with a bump stock ban, and then people had to turn everything in and, or destroy them. If they're going to follow the, the past precedent, recent precedent, I, I believe the bump stocks are going to be legal. Or at least they're going to be found that the ATF did not have the authority uh, to do what they did, and then it is upon Congress to, to take any action that they deem fit. Well, that's what I was alluding to earlier. You know, this had a lot to do with uh, all the hotels out there because, you know, everything in Las Vegas, and I used to live there, everything is about those hotels and, and gambling. And they really did not want this to be talked about. They buried a lot of this information. Of course, there was a big story, but a lot of it never really came out. I'm not sure we ever found out which guns or how many guns he actually used. He had a bunch. But did he use all of them exactly? What did he do? What was his motivation? All of that. You're right. It just sort of got buried. The hotels out there are very powerful. You know, these are billion-dollar organizations, and they didn't want people talking about this. I'm not sure we ever really found out all the facts on, on what happened. My theory was that he had, you know, all of these different rifles with bump stocks because he tried them out, and he, he figured out really quickly that they jammed the guns. Well, I agree, Dean, and it, and we didn't find out any of the facts. I think it, I think the big money in Las Vegas had a lot to do with it because certainly you didn't want you didn't want nobody uh, going to Vegas anymore because of uh, of what happened, and uh, and that was troublesome in itself. The fact that we never heard why or what, but then the, the result of that. And um, I'm all, almost hurt, Dean. I've known how long have I known you? Uh, way too long. And I, I had no idea you used to live in Las Vegas. What else don't I know, Dean? Uh, well, all that's under uh, under seal. The court has okay, sealed well, that information. Then, then so. I, won't, I won't press, but, <laughs> but that was something I didn't know about Dean. No, I, I lived out in Las Vegas for a while, and I tried my hand at teaching. My teaching career lasted exactly three weeks and three days, and I quit. And uh, that's all I'll say about that. All right, I won't, I won't go into <laughs> any more on the air, but I'd like to know what you were teaching so were you, were you teaching people how to count cards? No, I, I was actually no, I was a, I was actually a teacher. I was in the right. teaching seventh grade. Then they moved me up to high school, but it was you know I was from West Virginia. I was used to West Virginia high schools, and then you move into a big city like that. It was a very different experience. So yep. it was just, Sean. Honestly, it was just one of those life is too short kind of moments. And uh, three weeks, three days, I quit. Well, you, you know when you know. So uh, there's one more case here. And this is a First Amendment case, and it's called National Rifle Association versus Volo. This was something that happened after the Parkland murders back in 2018. New York basically tried to get banks and financial service providers to sever ties with the firearms industry under the guise of, quote-unquote, risk assessment. The NRA sued and they argued that this was really all about suppressing pro-gun views and, and violating the First Amendment. Sean, 
This sounds an awful lot like Operation Choke Point, if you remember that, where the Department of Justice basically, through the FDIC, tried to pressure banks to stop doing business with firearms dealers. And it was exposed by the Wall Street Journal, and then the whole thing ended with multiple lawsuits. So explain this, because why is this a First Amendment case when it's really trying to shut down gun dealers using financial regulations? Well, uh, the First Amendment covers more than, than, than just plain speech. And when you're taking someone's ability away to conduct its business, to, to market, to advertise, which is a lot of it, and, he, and what it came down to was if the banks had knowledge that they were that they were advertising, marketing, uh, or selling firearms or anything that they determined to be uh, dangerous uh, under under their uh, interpretation of what was going on. And basically, it is Operation Choke Choke Point. It was almost Operation Choke Point on steroids because now you're going after the big companies and the big businesses. So it became First Amendment because they interfered it interfered with the person's rights to conduct commerce and, uh, and, and to advertise at the same thing. So that's really where the First Amendment, in my view, came about dealing with this. But you know what? It just goes to show you, they'll go after our Second Amendment rights any way you can do it. And Dean, I know you and I have both said over the years, you don't have to take our guns to be anti-gun. You don't have to take our guns uh, or, or keep us from buying guns uh, to be anti-gun. Every extra fee, every extra hoop to jump through, uh, taking away our ability uh, as a as a, a store owner to, to sell firearms and sporting goods because you know the government and, and banks decide that that it's dangerous and I shouldn't be allowed to do that. That that's the main principle here. So that's how kind of how the First Amendment gets involved with something that really uh, it bleeds over into the the Second Amendment also. But but dealing with someone's ability to market and to sell their goods or, or how uh, you got in with the, the realm of the First Amendment. So this is a case that they've accepted it at the Supreme Court, but they haven't had oral arguments. They've not even scheduled it yet. Dean, what so, it comes down to is that it plainly addresses the scope of financial regulators, their oversight on the gun industry, their interactions and, and implications for the, mem- for, the, for the First Amendment rights of that industry. Uh, and that, that's what it came, comes down to. And that's what the main decision is about. These are pretty weighty, pretty heavy decisions and, and questions of law. That, that are on the table right now, and, and they can have wide-ranging implications for us as gun owners, for you as the uh, executive director of the Buckeye Firearms Association. When, How far of a stretch is it to decide that your action in, in promoting and supporting and fighting for the Second Amendment and our gun rights all of a sudden can be regulated? I mean, that's, that's how close we are now. It's not that far of a stretch. If you're going to do it to someone selling guns, why can't you do it to somebody who's talking about guns and fighting for gun rights and essentially advertising guns? So, you know, we're all on a chopping block if you think about it. Well, we've had people contact us as saying that, you know, even today, that a lot of uh, people who are involved in guns one way or another have trouble getting credit cards or have trouble opening a bank account or a merchant account that will process credit cards. That whole Operation Choke Point, you know, that was shut down. But a lot of it still continues today, oh, where right. a lot of yeah, a lot of banks they they just don't want to deal with you if you're in one of the so-called you know sin businesses like you know guns or gambling or whatever, even though you're complying with laws. Well, they don't want to deal with you. Not so much as that they don't want to deal with the customer or the, or their their customer. They don't want to deal with the 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 Esther headaches or the extra focus that the gov- federal government is going to put on them for doing business with, with us or, or with a gun owner or with a, a gun range or an FFL. That's what it comes down to. They just don't want the headache, the federal government. So I think a lot of that is the federal government goes in and puts such tight restrictions and starts looking at them and everything they're doing. They're saying, you know what? I don't want this. I'll just, I'll just get rid of those customers. It's not worth my time. So, Sean, uh, let's uh, turn the tables here a little bit. And let's talk about you and a foundation that you run called the American Freedom Liberty Foundation. And you're going to have a big banquet coming up here pretty soon. Why don't you tell us all about that? Yeah, the banquet is, is uh, I've, I've been running my own nonprofit, which is uh, the American Liberty Freedom Foundation. And our annual big banquet is uh, 
for the Butler County Friends of Youth Shooting Sports. Uh, we promote uh, shooting uh, in scholastic shooting programs in high schools and 4-H clubs, Boy and Girl Scouts or any other clubs, Steel Stingers, uh, uh, different activities for children and youth shooting sports. So it's on Friday, March 1st at receptions in Fairfield, Ohio. For anybody, you know, within uh, an hour or two from us, it's, it's a great time. I know, Dean, you've been to it. And I believe you're going to come to it again. Uh, we're going to have social hour that includes gun raffles, wall of guns, table of guns. During the night, we'll have live auctions for firearms, for trips. We have a special, a couple special Trump guns. and There's, there's going to be a very special announcement dealing with that. Uh, if anybody's been watching Sheriff Rick Jones, Butler County, we have a, two custom guns, 1911s, for, that Rick's promoting for us to raise money. We have a tremendous amount of hard-to-find bourbons and liquors this year. We've had a lot of it donated to us. For those people who like Weather, uh, Stag, uh, Blanton's, and the like, uh, we have we have a lot of that also. You can log on uh, to aflf.org to get tickets if you want to come. And I understand a lot of you uh, aren't close enough to, to Cincinnati or uh, or to Butler County, Ohio, and you can't make it. But you can go and you can click a button to donate now, and you can donate whatever you can afford. Uh, and I encourage you to do that because it's so important. I mean, this event serves as an opportunity for individuals to support local youth shooting programs, you know, while enjoying a, a, a good time that night with a bunch of like-minded uh, fellow Second Amendment enthusiasts. Uh, you know, you got to remember, folks, our children are the backbone of our future. Uh, they're the future uh, for everything. If we fail to instruct, train, or educate our youth related to the proper and safe use of firearms and the need and utility of the Second Amendment, then, you know, and our right to keep our arms, what are we going to end up with? There's a lot of people listening to me that are in the military that put their life on the line, protect our Second Amendment rights and other constitutional rights, and especially the Second Amendment for self-protection, and it protects us from the treason from our government. we got to make sure that that uh, Second Amendment and the shooting sports, whether it's hunting, target practice, a trap and skeet, uh, goes forward because without that, we're losing a huge hole and we're, we're losing far far more than I think that we can even fathom right now. You know, I'm confident that, Dean, that most people listening to this podcast on a regular basis were raised the same way that, that, that I was in Pennsylvania, that you were in West Virginia. You know, my grandfather and grandmother raised my father. My father and mother raised me, and, and my wife and I have raised our children to love the United States of America, defend this country, and to fight for the country, and God forbid, die for this country. You know, and what determines the future of this great country are our kids. And we're supporting youth shooting programs. And uh, what makes all this possible is the Second Amendment and the skill in arms. And so we do this. Um, you can tell I have a, a lot of passion for this because I'm, I'm, I'm so, so focused on the future of this country. And it all starts with what we have uh, ingrained in our children and, and what the Second Amendment provides them. So, And it's a celebration of freedom and a celebration of youth shooting sports. We'll have people from 4-H clubs, high school trap shooting clubs. You'll see their awards, you'll hear their stories, and what uh, youth shooting sports in Butler County has done for their lives. And we also have, uh, have went outside of, of Butler County and provided funding for, for arming teachers in schools, uh, for taking care of uh, different scouting troops in, in, uh, in different parts of Ohio, but that's important to us. And so please, if, if anybody can make it, get on to aflf.org. You can buy your tickets there. There's, there's a few left, not many. But if, you, but if you're so inclined, please donate. We give you the opportunity to do that. And if anybody has any questions, my number is 513-484-0142. And, um, and I'll be happy to answer any questions. But again, the easiest way to do it is to get on aflf.org. And you can donate and you can buy tickets. You can also, uh, we have gun raffles that are going on now also in the state of Ohio. So you, you, can, uh, you can click on that and enter your chance to win the guns and support youth and youth shooting at the same time. So, you know, Dean, thank you so much for allowing me the time to talk about this. And uh, thank you for all you and Buckeye Farms continue to do with firearms rights in the state of Ohio and for what you do for kids. Sean, you said that you had a couple of raffles going on right now. Can you describe? I mean, you have two guns that you're raffling off, right? We have, uh, we have Sig Sauer uh, AR-15 Tread with a lot of accessories. And we have some rare, hard-to-find Colt firearms also in another auction. So you can choose your take your pick or 
do what I do. And when I have the chance to do that, and that's to, to buy a chance on both of them and increases your chances. And anybody who wants to come to our banquet, I always point out your chance of winning firearms, your odds are as low as one out of 30, one out of 52, one out of 100, or just leaving your hand up long enough in a live auction. But we give away dozens and dozens of guns, safaris, trips, everything. You know, we're like the ATF. I'll call tobacco and firearms. You're going to walk away with something you like. Yeah, it, it's it's quite an event. I know you had told me about it for a while, and I'd never been there. Then I came one year, and it was like, wow, you know, this this is a huge event. I mean, you're growing out of the facility that you're using right now, right? I mean, you've got yeah, you get four or five hundred people to show up. Oh, unfortunately, I I went with their floor plan, and when we remove the games because the games are over. We're going to rush tables out, and that's going to buy me an extra 50 people. And if you're a friend of mine, uh, you're not going to get the best seating. You know, people think, well, if, if you bought a table or you're not you're not a friend of mine, you're, you're going to get in the main showroom. But because I, I don't care if my friends are unhappy with me, I care, but not really. <laughs> but I do care if, if you guys come from Columbus and you have bad seats. So any questionable seats, and there's hardly any in there, but the, the, the seats – further in the back are going to, be, going to be my friends and people that I know that that aren't going to care one way or another. It's a great time. And Dean, I'm so happy Buckeye Firearms is coming this year because you know what it's like. And, and I can't wait to celebrate this this night with, with my friends from Buckeye Firearms Association. So if anybody's interested, please come, please donate, uh, please help us out. Because after all, you know, I, I'm not sure who sang the song, but children are our future, certainly the future of America. Yeah, we've got a whole table that we bought, and uh, that's on March 1st. Looking forward to that. Can't wait to see you, Dean. So, Sean. we can find out what else I don't know about you. Well, well, uh, I guess you'll have to ply me with some drinks. Maybe I'll offer, as a live auction item, a chance to shoot with Dean Reed. No, we could do something like that. I, I, was, worried that, I was worried that was going to go in a different direction. Well, you could, but that's something just for you and I. But you know what? I bet you I can find somebody with machine guns, suppressors, and other interesting uh, gear to bring along for you guys if we do that. I, I, I was worried. I was worried you were going to raffle off a date with me or something. And I was going to say, well, my wife might have something to say about that. I, I will never step between you and your wife. Believe me, I, I know what kind of tornado she can be. So, Sean, if anyone has any legal questions about firearms or their gun rights, you've already given out your phone number but why don't you do that again how can people get a hold of you a couple ways sean s-e-a-n at secondcalldefense.org my phone number again is 513-484-0142 and i take all the calls i answer all the calls in fact i'll be answer, answering a call uh left on my cell phone earlier somebody who lost their firearms rights uh, when they were teenagers and they want to get a restoration and also dean I, I, on the buckeye farms uh, side you guys are actively working to pass uh, legislation to make sure that everybody can get a restoration that they deserve. So thank you for doing that also. And I'm sure you'll be talking that in the future. Well, Sean, thanks for spending time with us today. And we'll talk to you again soon. Dean, thank you so much. It's always a pleasure. That's all for this episode of Keep and Bear Radio. If you enjoyed the podcast, I urge you to subscribe. And please subscribe to the Buckeye Firearms Association newsletter at BuckeyeFirearms.org. If you'd like to become a member and support the work of BFA, go to JoinBFA.org. Use the discount code PODCAST to get $10 off your membership. That's JoinBFA.org. We'll see you next time on Keep and Bear Radio. You're listening to Resolution Radio, 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 ResolutionRDO.com. This is the Justice Report Weekly Recap for February 12th to 16th, 2024. 
Today's story, corruption, neglect, and violence lead to dead white inmates inside the Alabama prison system. Springville, Alabama, a white inmate inside St. Clair Correctional Facility, was found dead just days after expressing fears to the Alabama Department of Corrections of being targeted for imminent violence, according to an attorney. On January 38-year-old Clifton Adam Bond was serving a 20-year sentence for robbery and burglary convictions when his family learned from another inmate, not prison officials, that their loved one had been brutally beaten in the head with a pipe and stabbed by another inmate on November 6th. From the moment a person enters the Alabama Department of Corrections, they are thrown into a lawless world of beatings, rapes, drugs, and extortion. No other prison in the United States comes close to Alabama's in terms of violence, suicides, and overdoses. We are now learning that the horrors do not end at death. Today's story. An Antifa power couple is unmasked as regional leaders behind the terror-linked American Iron Front, Orlando, Florida. A Florida-based graphic designer and a theater costume specialist at Rollins University have been unmasked as the power couple, organizing the latest iteration of the terror-linked Antifa cell, the American Iron Front. Thanks to information first obtained by the online activist groups Patriot Youth and the Appalachian Archives, the Justice Report was able to independently verify 25-year-old Brandon Pruchnik, a.k.a. Dr. Disket of Edgewater, Florida as the lead organizer behind the AIF's online communication network and visual propaganda. Additionally, Pruchnik's girlfriend, 24-year-old Annalise Cutter, aka Arcade of Auras of Winter Park, Florida, was also identified in the leaks, serving as an influencing force behind Pruchnik's radicalization towards a life of anti-white hate. Pruchnik's Discord server, an international chatroom home to over a hundred anarchist, communist, and neoliberal extremists suffered a catastrophic leak in the latter half of 2023. The contents of the Discord were famously made public by the Anti-White Hate Monitor, the William McKinley Institute, and has so far led to the identification of numerous agents, including a regional coordinator for the Anti-Defamation League, a cybersecurity expert for a French IT company, a wealthy plastics tycoon, and more than one informants for the FBI. Today's story, a black family subjected to a SWAT raid is tied to allegations of scamming and hating white people. Allen, Texas, a black mother was arrested in a daring SWAT raid after police said she tortured her children with knives and attempted to put her three-year-old inside of an oven. But new unearthed social media posts allege that the family had been running a scam on white neighbors for up to a year prior to the arrest. According to reports, police attempted to serve a warrant for the arrest of 36-year-old Lul Nyachua Top for multiple charges stemming from alleged child abuse. When police arrived on February 5th, they found Top, a black immigrant barricaded inside the attic of a home on Tanglewood Drive. After a two-hour standoff with police, which required the use of an armored personnel carrier and chemical weapons, Top was finally taken into custody. Bombshell new findings have revealed that the Top family may have been taking advantage of Allen's white community for up to a year before her latest arrest. Thanks to an unearthed Facebook thread, the Justice Report learned that in January of 2023, Top's husband may have taken advantage of his white neighbors by falsely claiming his wife had died from cancer. Claiming he had no money, food, clothes, or furniture for the six children, Top's husband would go on to grift over $4,500 in crowdfunded aid, despite his wife being very much alive. For more news like this, visit justicereport.news and subscribe to our Telegram, Substack, and Odyssey to keep up to date on all the latest headlines from around the world. Become a paid supporter and gain access to our full archive of audio articles. And enjoy the Justice Report on the go. I got a bunch of people asking me, oh, what are we going to do? What should we do? Educate yourself. Spread the word. The United Nations has just declared war on the truth. They're telling you outright, if you speak up, your conspiracy theory shouldn't be believed.
should be approached in a certain fashion. The authorities should be contacted and all kinds of neat shit. So they want war? Arm yourself with facts. Get out there and start telling the people. You don't want to do it on social media? Do it in person. Do it on the telephone. Do it like we used to do, standing around on the street corner having a coffee. Do you know who your enemy is? The World Economic Forum? For 51 years they've been working at this. They've been planning and scheming, working as hard as they can. And now, here we are. Klaus Schwab has admitted that for over 45 years, they've been working directly with the CCP. Now here we are in Canada and the US. We got 5G, military grade 5G technology right across the country. Where did it come from? Who owns that technology? And what's gonna happen when they don't like it? Get to know your enemy. Get to know the facts. Beat the fuck up. Be a warrior. That's what we need to do. Instead of following Marcus like a bunch of fucking sheep. Iodine is naturally acquired through the soil, which is at the foundation of our entire food supply. Modern farming techniques have stripped the soil of this essential trace element, which has caused an iodine deficiency in about half the population. And there are two things we need to do about it. We need to practice more regenerative farming. There are plenty of proven technologies in permaculture and biodynamics that will naturally keep the soil rich with iodine. And we need to ensure that we get the sufficient amount of iodine every day. Derived from ancient sea salts found thousands of feet below the Earth's surface, our InfoWars Life Survival Shield X3 is hands down the best. Pure nascent iodine stabilized in an activated triiodine form for a healthy thyroid and a healthy metabolism get yours now at infowarstore.com by now you know that wireless technology like cell phones do in fact pose dangers to the health and privacy of everyone. Blockit Pocket's wide range of products are unmatched in providing the protection you deserve. No scare tactics, just common sense. BlockitPocket.com offers quality American-made options to alleviate and eliminate these invisible dangers. Learn more at BlockitPocket.com or call 888-315-9618. BlockitPocket.com, enhancing health and privacy. There are many water filters to choose from, but there is only one system that is consistently customer-rated five stars as the number one system for effective filtration of fluoride, radiation, drug residues, heavy metals, a wide range of radioisotopes, and more. Introducing the Pure Effect Ultra, the next generation water filter that also raises alkaline pH, improves antioxidant potential, and has advanced anti-radiation technology all while using no electricity. Sold worldwide, it provides virtually instant clean water on demand. It is not made in China and the shipping is free to all 50 states. Buy your Pure Effect Ultra today by visiting pureeffectfilters.com or call 888-891-4821. Again, that's 888-891-4821 or visit pureeffectfilters.com. With Lucky Land slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.